This whole country just like my flock of sheep. We want to know what you intend to give away to the communists. He will bring destruction to our traditions. He looked in his heart and he thought in all humility how he'd like to try and change things. Rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It's, a, it's a groovy thing to do. I propose to demand from the House the immediate removal of the President of the United States. He had two bottles of medicine. One of those bottles of medicine was called high popolora. And another one of those bottles of medicine was called low papa high. <laughs> they're both good, but they're different. He said that high popolorum is made from the bark off the tree that we take from the top down. And that low papa is made from the bark that we take from the root up. The only difference that I have found between the Democratic leadership and the Republican leadership was that one of them was skinning from the ankle up and the other one from the ear down when I got to come. Hi. Welcome to Decades Podcast. Jacob's doing some weird stuff with his hands, so... Well, Trila kept talking, so I didn't want to keep counting down from five. Uh, Trila is not going to be quiet. Yes, um, my name's Deb Kuykendall. I'm Nicole Westry. I'm Jacob Kuykendall. And we have a guest today. He's a returning guest. <gasps> Who, Who is, is it? it? <laughs> it's me. It's Steve Krupka. Yay! Yes, Steve. I think Steve needs to put his mouth closer to the microphone. You do. Is that or better? Put the microphone closer to you. Find a comfortable yeah. spot for you. Yes. What an amateur. <laughs> yeah. Clearly don't record a lot of podcasts. Aren't you no. so glad you came back and got bossed around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you a know. better job. <laughs> Deb makes me drinks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, we are still in the 40s. Last time we watched The Dictator and Dictator, and we spent... <laughs> the Great uh, Dictator and the Regular Dictator. Yes, we spent more time talking about the regular old dictator than we did The Great Dictator, which mm-hmm. is uh, presumably some sort of masterpiece. Uh, but this sure. week, this, this episode, we watched All the King's Men mm-hmm. and All the King's Men. <laughs> and uh, we've made the mistake of doing this before. Uh, our second episode of season one, we watched Frankenstein and Frankenstein, and things got super complicated when we I, tried to talk about the movies. Those were more fun than these <laughs> movies. Well, that too. Um, so we had to sort of come up with a rule halfway through where if you're talking, if you're going to say something about the movie, you have to say which movie mm-hmm. every time, otherwise no one will know. Old one, new one, that works. Sure. 2000. Six. 2006, Six. yep. Versus 1949, mm-hmm. also acceptable. <laughs> so, uh, these... I don't know. We're going to have to do the plot. Yeah. Um, they both have essentially the same plot. Pretty much. So, what I would suggest is maybe we just do the overall, the general plot that these two movies have and then go back and say how they were different. Sure. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to do it. Um, also, we should start from the fact that these movies are based on a Pulitzer Prize winning novel that was published in 1947. So they quickly came out with a book a couple of years later, as they were wont to do about in mm-hmm. the, around those times. Uh, the book is by a man named Robert Penn Warren, who was who is a Southerner, uh, has a history that we can talk about a little bit later. Um, he was at one time, I believe, the poet laureate of the United States. 
Wow. So, uh, I read part of the book. It's, do we still do shows. that? Is there a poet yeah. laureate yeah. right now? Yeah. Who is it? Who we got? I don't know. Talk Shall about this. Maybe I'll Let's think about it. <laughs> beep, boop, 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 beep, beep. Yeah. Uh, uh, so who wants to synopsize the two movies at the same time? I can synopsize it if you don't want to do it. But you will have to help fill in some details. Yeah, I'm just going to go for it. I'll fill in details. Okay. So my understanding is that this story that the book is based on is based on a real person. Yes, from the 30s. A fictionalized version of his life. Um, I am probably going to mix up some of the details between the two because they are similar stories, but there's a little time travel-y flashing around nonsense in the modern one. Yeah, the modern movie goes back and (coughs) forth through time and the older movie is linear from beginning to end. Uh, and I will need help with the character names. Willie Stark is the, uh, arguably the protagonist <laughs> of at least one of the movies at Do you points. Think so? And, you know, it starts with him and then jumps around. Oh, a it's bit. about him. I don't know if he's the protagonist. Yeah. So there's Willie Stark. <laughs> in the new movie, this takes place in Louisiana. In the old movie, it takes place in a nondescript California place. Right. <laughs> a California like place. The person upon whom the book is based Huey P. Long was the governor of Louisiana which makes sense right that the and the general politic and that takes place makes sense I think to me that he's a southern a southern dandy uh Willie Stark is a up-and-coming running for county treasurer uh when the movie begins he has a the other main character is Jack Burden who is a news, uh, initially a newspaper reporter assigned to follow Willie Stark and his campaign. Uh, the editor of the newspaper tells Jack, hey, this guy is not like your normal politician. He's honest, and he really tells it like it is. And the thing that he's telling it like it is at the time that the movie starts, or that the story starts, is that the um, county government, county or city government, mm-hmm. has selected a more expensive construction company to build the new school um, and rejected lower bids. Yeah. uh, Ostensibly, (laughs) yes, to to make money. Yes, there's some bribing going on. There's corruption um, accusations. So Jack Burden goes out and meets Willie, who seems like a stand-up guy. Willie eats some orange pop. (laughs) Yeah, Willie gets harassed. Him and his son, in the old movie at least, get harassed by the political bigwigs, the the toughs around the area, led by Tiny... Duffy. Tiny Duffy. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they go to meet, both Willie and Jack go to meet Tiny Duffy, who says, no, it's fine. You can go ahead and run for county treasurer for all I care. Here, take your dumb pamphlets back. He also forces him to, or tries to force him to drink beer. Yeah. And he says, my wife doesn't like it, and then gets an orange pop. That happens in both movies, mm-hmm. because that happens in the book. Although in the new movie, it's very important that he has two straws for his orange pop, <laughs> but it's not important detail in the old movie. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he talks to Tiny. They go, he gets his stuff back. Um, he there's some interim details, but basically he loses the, his, the run. His son gets beat up in the old, old one. Movie. I don't think that happens in the new movie. I don't recall that. I don't recall his son at all. The son, yeah. Is, yeah, the son is more prominent in the older movie, and there is a thread of the son not really wanting to do the things that his dad wants him to do from the very get-go. He's mad that he got gets beat up and they throw his 
his pamphlets into the mud. Right. Um, and he's mad at his dad because he keeps making him do this and this keeps happening to him. Right. And I, I'll briefly mention that in the new movie, the movie actually starts with a brief flash forward to a more corrupt Willie Stark on his way to go threaten a judge is kind of the implication with Jack in the car and his friend Sugar Boy. <laughs> uh, anyways, Willie Stark loses the run for county treasurer. Um, there's some extraneous <laughs> events that happen and uh, ultimately the schoolhouse that is built with the more expensive um, laborers, with the more expensive contract. But cheap materials. Cheap materials. Falls apart during a fire drill and a bunch of children die. And Willie Stark says, aha, I knew it. This was, I, I said this was going to happen and it did. So between the two movies, I think in the newer movie, that's what happened. But in the older movie, you see people going to him and saying, you told us. So mm-hmm. he wasn't really advertising that he, he wasn't saying, I told you so. They were saying, you told, you told us. us so. And he becomes extremely popular as the guy who warned everybody. Right. Um, Jack Burden is there in the new movie at the funeral and says, to keep an eye on that guy, he's an up-and-comer. Um, ultimately, Tiny Duffy uh, talks to Willie Stark and says, you should run for governor. Everybody loves you now because you, you were the one guy who spoke truth to power. Uh, you should run for governor. He starts to run for governor, or he does run for governor. Um, and during his run, uh, it is revealed to him through both Jack Burton and the name of the... Uh, what is her Sadie? name? Sadie. Sadie, yes. I can't remember her last name. Uh, who is a... I am not even clear on what her role is at the beginning she's of this. She's a political operative. Yeah, she's like a campaign manager or something. For her... Tiny Duffy? Uh, For, I don't know. Who well, are the party is? There are three, the generic party. There are three... Yeah candidates willie stark Harris's. another guy who is of the same McMurphy. party yeah, mix something. and then someone in the opposing yes. the other party um harrison is in the other party he's the one who secretly bankrolled this whole plan uh they want willie stark to run because they know he's not going to win he's just going to split the hick vote between him and mcmurphy um this is revealed to willie who's very upset he gets drunk uh he goes to give his speech but he doesn't want to give his speech written by tiny duffy uh because now he knows it's all a scam so he gives a rip-roaring speech with in the new movie soaring musical cues and (laughs) tiny gets so upset he falls over off the stage into a pigsty and everybody laughs at him and i admit that probably happens in the book one thing that's very very different between these two movies. <laughs> One of them, every scene that you, I, I read, yeah. a large part of the book, I didn't get to the end. Every scene that I saw was exactly like the book. Yeah, so one, the bad movie takes scenes from the book and does them poorly, and the good <laughs> movie edits them for a movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, then, of course, he wins, because now he's telling it how it is. We get some montages of him telling it like it is. Uh, then the plot basically peters out at this point and jumps around in time and a bunch of stuff happens um at one point we see jack burden goes to his home in burden's crossing landing burden's landing uh where you see we see his mom and his stepdad and this mysterious judge all right we find out that he comes from money it's the first time that we get insight into that we meet his two best friends who are brother and sister adam and 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 stanton uh, and in the in the newer movie, they actually show a scene that's in the book where they're at the beach, and she goes into the water. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but they don't show the rest of the scene where <laughs> the two guys also go into the water. Um, and Dr. Stanton is the judge's... Nephew. Nephew? Yeah. Okay. I'll just take your word yeah. for this. Well, because there's the one point where he says, Judge, you mind if I kiss your niece? Okay. Oh, yeah. The that's nephew in, in the, law? In the old movie. In the, in the old movie, he okay. asks permission. In the new movie, he never kisses her, does he? No. Um, we then... I don't know. Willie Stark becomes corrupt. I mean, that's he, he becomes very powerful. He does a lot for his community, but he also becomes corrupt. He uses Jack as sort of his hatchet man to look up information on his enemies. Sugar Boy doesn't do anything throughout this entire movie except I, float around in the background. I think in, this, I think in the older movie... In the older movie. I mean, somebody kills the girl's dad, right? Oh, did we even talk it's about the accident in, yet? No, no, we haven't gotten no. there yet. Okay, but I've to the I think sugar. Yes, sugar, sugar, boy. sugar boy definitely sugar boy. did it. I, I think that his role may be he's, he's also the he's bodyguard slash probably yeah. in the old movie. In the book, uh, he's also the driver. He loves to drive. He's referred to as the driver in the new movie, but he, I mean, in terms of what happens in the story, he has zero impact. He hardly Until has any end. lines. Yeah, he shows up at the end and he does something that really has no somebody else could do. Um, there is suddenly the movie lurches sideways and we have a whole subplot about Jack Burden and the Stanton child, Dr. Stanton and Willie Stark is start, has an affair with Anne, Anne Stanton. After he's also been having an affair with Sadie this whole time. Yes. He's been having an affair with Sadie. Sadie's jealous. He's married to Lucy. He's married to Lucy. There's a skater at some point. He has Tiny on his staff now as his connection to the, you know, connecting to politics, it seems. In the old movie, he's just sort of on his staff. In the new movie, he makes him lieutenant governor. Oh, is that what his position Mm -hmm. is? Okay. And he keeps him around to remind him of how he was tricked when he was a woo. That's what he says, but... Makes no sense, but <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, in the old movie, there's a subplot with uh, Willie Stark's son, who's kind of a screw-up because he hates his dad and is trying to become a football player, or becomes a football player in the All-Star team, but he's missing practice and getting drunk and ultimately gets drunk and gets in a car crash, which injures and then kills... Uh, passenger. Passenger, who is a... <laughs> Daughter of someone of importance. Uh, I think she just... He owns a trucking company. Yeah. Like she's yeah. just a girl he knows. Yeah. Uh, and Willie has sort of hushed up the drunk driving and ultimately disappears the dad, it seems like. Um, that's the implication. Well, he tells Sugar Boy to follow him and then, weirdly, he disappears. <laughs> yeah, right. In the new movie, then none of this happens no. and none of this comes up. Uh, then we have some, like... We take a little detour about the uh, burden, and he goes home, and he's supposed to look up information about this judge, who in the new movie is trying to have Willie Stark impeached for being corrupt. In the old movie, I'm not sure if that was as clear to me. Well, he definitely was involved. I mean, his role, I just don't think... He wasn't in as many scenes that were relevant. (laughs) So. He did talk to the newspapers in the new in the newer movie. You saw right. the, the paper article um, citing against Willie Stark. 
That's right. And uh, he was kind of the antagonist in the newer movie. In the older movie, it's a little less clear what his well, position was. Except Willie Stark's not the protagonist. No, he's I definitely the bad guy. Maybe there isn't a protagonist. I think it was supposed to be Jack, Jack, and he's not either. I mean, I, I mean, maybe the Doctor is. I think Jack. Are we the there's, protagonist? <laughs> there's long sections of the movie, especially the new one, where Jack Burton is not driving the plot in any way. He picks it up kind of halfway in. Well, yeah, I can't tell if the point of the movie is to show Jack's slow decline the same way that Willie did. Who knows? And, like, everybody gets corrupted by the political machine. I'm not, yeah, I don't know what the message is supposed the, to be of either of these. The reason I would say Jack Burton is arguably the protagonist is in the new movie, there is a giant side plot where Jack Burton is sent to look up dirt on the judge. This happens in both movies. But in the new movie, he confronts the judge who then kills himself and then his mom reveals to Jack, that was actually your biological dad. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my goodness. And I theoretically... <laughs> that's, just, that's the end of that plot line. Right. Which they don't mention at all in the old movie. And I, theoretic, I theorize that that is because the motion picture uh, production... Production. <laughs> motion picture <laughs> production code is in place. And... The suggestion that a, this woman had this affair and produced an illegitimate child from it might not have been allowed. Oh, I thought it was just the, like, potential incest in his relationship with Anne. Well, that too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's also complicated. Uh, I just, that to me suggests Jack Burton's probably supposed to be the protagonist since there's a huge plot twist relating to his relationships with the other characters. But it also just is like, oh my god! Oh. And then the movie moves on, and it's never. Oh. It's like just he doesn't learn anything from that, right? And he doesn't change his actions either. No, nothing happens oh. from that. Right, it's just sad. I don't think either movie uh, makes him sympathetic. Neither neither no. movie did a good job of no. of generating sympathy for the Jack Burden character. Although I think Jude Law maybe did a little bit better because he, he seemed, tries. Yeah, um, he says repeatedly how he doesn't care about anything, but then he becomes. A stooge for, but he doesn't do anything. He never acts on his feelings in any way. He is told you should look up dirt on this judge. He's like, I don't want to, but I'm gonna. Yeah, the it's, end. It's, so weird. <laughs> it's really weird, especially because he's talking about how much he idolizes the judge because he grew up with him like a father figure. You know, yeah. he taught him all these things and you know how to shoot a gun and all it's, the stuff that a dad would teach a son. But yeah, he, but then he's. Got no qualms after like minor objections about digging up dirt on him. And... I don't want to do it, but I will. <laughs> yeah. Did you read the book? Uh, I yeah, up to a point. I didn't read the whole thing. Okay, because I was gonna say the general concept of this story makes sense if it was about Willie Stark and is a fall from grace story. A Breaking Bad. The Jack Burton character doesn't go anywhere or do anything except what he's told for the entire length of the right. both movies. But he is he is the voice of the book. Yeah, well he's yeah, he's a weirdly the narrator, which yeah. it didn't feel like the movie needed a narrator. Right, but they're it's both not based on a, they're both based on a book, book where he's the, on, with in the which, narrator yes, where he tells this whole story. Did it need the narration because of the time jumps? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thinking, though. Well, we should mention that, yeah, the old movie goes fairly chronologically. Yes. Whereas the new movie jumps around in time a lot between what's, I guess, contemporaneous right. and flashbacks to Jack's younger I found days. that impossible to follow because this movie also covers some number of years of time. Yeah. Five? At least. Ten? 
I mean, it depends on which movie you're talking about. Well, how long does it take for somebody to become totally corrupt after when they started from being a good person? Well, well did he start as a good person? You know, that's, that's question. He runs for treasurer, fails, decides he's not going to be in politics, runs for governor, fails. Wins. In the well, old, one, old he movie, fails. fails. And then wins. And then, and then four wins, years runs pass. Again. <laughs> in the new movie, I think he wins on the first yes, try. I think so. And exactly. then some time passes for him to be corrupt. In the old movie, he does quite a few things that made me think that, you know, years had passed, but I guess only enough for him to be up for re-election, so. Still, we're talking like eight years, maybe? Sure. Who knows? Well, his son, <laughs> did his son grow up? It, yeah. did, it no. did in the new movie. <laughs> yeah. He, he went, did. He went from being young and going all the way through university. Okay. So. It's covered like 10 years, right? Yeah. So two or three terms as governor? Yeah, you would guess. guess so. Well, he was very popular. yeah that's right uh and then at the end um having the the judge having killed himself they pre he willie in both movies at some point offers he's building a hospital for the poor folk he offers to dr stanton why don't you be the the head of this new hospital i'm building um and in both movies in some form the doctor gets the impression that this is a scam to set him up as the fall guy and also his dad has killed himself and also willie stark is sleeping with Anne. so the doctor jumps out at willie during a press conference and shoots him to death and then gets shot to death by sugar boy the end (laughs) hooray uh, and in the old movie, Willie Stark gives a death speech. <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to say or what it's about. He he could have gone all the way. He could have you know could have been, been the president. world of Willie. The end. <laughs> um, and in the new movie, it's basically the same except with a little more time spent on Jude Law. Yeah. Just yeah. Reflecting. Well, the new movie had better costumes. That's true. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they were wearing just beautiful linen suits. Sure. Yeah. Really awesome costumes. The old movie, I did not like the costumes no. at all. Mm, well, especially if Jack was supposed to come from money, he had a very ill-fitting suit. <laughs> yes, yeah. the majority of it. He had these big shoulder pads, and mm-hmm. it was all very baggy. Because... I don't think we can talk about the new movie without talking about their amazing accents that everyone except Anthony Hopkins has, <laughs> where they all talk like Foghorn Leghorn I, the entire time. I thought they all talked like Boomhauer from King of the Hill because <laughs> oh, you, you could not understand 30% of what they were saying. And none of them have the same accent? No. Not even a little bit. And there's not even half an explanation to why Anthony Hopkins' character, oh, Anthony Hopkins plays the judge, yeah. um, why he doesn't have an accent, but we're all so going to go. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. That was his explanation. Well, it would make sense for them to have different accents. Although Jude Law's accent should be like his mother's accent, and I'm not sure that that really nope. came across. But if the governor, or the governor, if the judge comes from a family that has been there so long that one of them was the governor, right. he should have an accent. <laughs> Maybe. Because it takes place in Louisiana. He should have some kind of southern accent. And did we mention that the new movie takes place in Louisiana? The old movie was filmed in California in non State University. State University. There's a name of the county, but they don't say what state that county is in. Uh, I think that was a mistake, honestly. Because if they're basing it on Huey Long, 
Louisiana is a character in the entire story. Yeah. Right, but then they'd have to go to all the trouble of doing accents and, and going They're, to Louisiana and making it look like If the like point the of the movie is political corruption and how people change and what their motivations are, then they want to make it like any guy from any state and... It's not just a Southern politics thing. I would be with you up to the point where Judge Stanton is from old money. And there's not a lot of old money 1940s California, (laughs) you know? Like, that part of it doesn't track. There was a very strange scene in the book between um, Jack Burden and his mother that made me me think that I don't understand, that there is a culture in the South (laughs) that is completely foreign to me. I mean, it was very weird. It was sort of, to me, it seemed somewhat sexual in nature. Like they had a more of a... Intimate? Yeah. Inappropriately intimate relationship. (laughs) Um, She also, she was, they go into detail about how she was married four times and what happened to all of her husbands. Like she married, and she married money too. So Mm -hmm. she was probably quite wealthy. And then he was born from that. I can't watch a movie set in Louisiana without thinking of True Blood, but their accents are consistent in that show. (laughs) (laughs) So that made it even worse. I was like, I know I've seen a movie where people without these accents all try and do the accent, but they at least tried harder. Well, I've met several people from Louisiana, you know, from the Deep South, and they have accents, but Mm -hmm. they're understandable. You know, they're not muddled and... You know, they're just an accent. It's it's very strange what Sean Penn and the other choices the actors are making. So can we name the, all of the actors in the new movie? Because it had so many big names. Great, yeah. great, great cast. Sure. So Willie was Sean Penn. Mm-hmm. And Jack was Jude Law. Mm-hmm. And Anne was Kate Winslet. That's right. And Adam was Mark Ruffalo. And the judge was Anthony Hopkins. Yep. Um, I recognize Sugar. Mom too. Yes, I I can't remember what her name is. I just can remember that I've seen her in other things. And um, I looked up Sugar. Sugar. He's, he's I just remember him as oh, Rorschach. Michael or oh. Earl Haley. He's in Jackie Preacher. Earl Haley. Yes, yeah, and something else right now that I've been watching. Oh, no, I can't remember what the other thing was. But he's in two things I've prominently mm-hmm. been watching lately. And the original Bad News Bears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> as a little baby. Yeah, great character actor. I mean, there's more. There's. James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. Yeah. How could I forget? He was Tiny he Duffy. Was amazing. Yeah. And after yeah, much, watching... much more minor role for him in the new movie yeah. than Tiny Duffy was in the old one. Although after watching both movies, I wish that Gandolfini had played Willie. Willie. Well, I think in, that, in the newer film because I think he he's so... just much more yeah. a presence of a villain, though. That yeah. there isn't sort of this question of did politics corrupt him or was he always bad? Whereas. Sean, Sean Penn, Penn has, really? well, not now, but back yeah, in the day, <laughs> there was a much more like, oh, he's he's every man type of a yeah. guy. So, Sean Penn's never been likable. But. <laughs> if you've been paying attention, sure, but um, by the Oscars don't think so. Uh, the older movie, I think they specifically hired not famous actors. They had like two name actors in it and all the rest were just relative unknowns. Uh, there's other some some other details about that movie. It won three Oscars. It won Best Actor for Broderick Crawford, uh, Best Supporting Actress for the lady who played Sadie, whose name I can't remember, of course, and Best Picture. It won Best Picture that year. Um, and in fact, the man who made that movie, who's I think his last name is Ross Rosen, Robert Rosen maybe, he wanted John Wayne to play the Willie Stark role. Oh. And John Wayne hmm. turned it down because he felt it was 
um, unpatriotic. <laughs> and then... Uh, was it all the socialism? Maybe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> John, John Wayne was quite conservative yes. uh, politically. Um, but then he lost out to Broderick Crawford for the Oscar for Best, <laughs> best Actor. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, against Sands of Iwo Jima. Oh, okay. Do you want a, a couple details about the new movie? Yeah. I'm just looking at here. So, Patricia Clark, the actress That's who played Sadie Burke, yes. uh, and Mrs. Burden was Kathy Baker, um, who... What's the name of the actress? Oh, right. Did you say Sadie? Sorry. Oh, Sadie was Patricia Clark. No, no, um... Mrs. The, the mother. Yeah, the mother is Kathy Baker. Kathy Baker. She was in Picket Fences, yes. Edward Scissorhands, Cold Mountain. Um, the new movie was written and directed by Stephen Zalian, who I did not recognize his name. He has only directed a few, very few things, um, but he is the writer of uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Moneyball, American Gangster, or Gangs of New York. A simple action mission bot Schindler's list. So literally everything better than yeah. This he is was. he yeah. is a really really good career as a writer, a fine but very short career as a director. So what the, happened with this movie? My understanding was that it was in editing for over a year. Ooh, that's and, not a good sign. Yeah. So that's interesting because the <clears throat> the older movie also had some trivia around the editing of it. It he had filmed like two hundred hours or whatever of film, and the director was having trouble cutting cutting it down yeah no kidding and they got it down to like i don't remember how long it was like 250 minutes or whatever and the they were getting frustrated and the distributor was the distributor or maybe the president of the film company was ready he was just going to release it even though it was just too long um and that made the director nervous so he hired a new editor who also was having trouble and he came the the director came up with this um with this idea that the editor should just pick out whatever is the most important thing in each scene and then uh, scroll 100 feet in one direction and 100 feet in the other direction and just cut it and then splice it together. So it, it didn't matter if it cut through music or dialogue or whatever. <laughs> and I saw a few places yeah. where that Jumps actually happened. Yeah. There were a yeah. few f weird fades. Yep, and so they got it down to 109 minutes and it's eh, it was, it's a little slow by our standards, but... It's markedly better than the new one, yeah. and it's over two-hour running time. Yeah. The new one is crazy for how extremely melodramatic it is at parts. Um, when Sean Penn gives his initial speech <laughs> at the... Fair. Fair, at the barbecue, <laughs> there is, like, this huge musical score, and it's, like, fading in between him and the faces of all the people in the crowd who are practically in tears for how excited they are. Well, they sort speech. of do that in the old movie as well. They do, but in the old movie, they don't have any backing. There's no soundtrack, and it's also delivered like someone might give a speech, as opposed to Sean Penn, who's clearly giving a movie monologue. Mm -hmm. And then also in the new movie, he yells at Tiny Duffy so much that Tiny falls off the stage <laughs> into a pigsty, and they all laugh at him. I, I think that might have happened in the book. I bet it's better in the book. <laughs> I bet it, you can, in your mind's eye, it's not as silly. So, I mean, if you consider if you consider that the book was written by someone who later became the Poet Laureate of the United States, sure. there's a lot of very uh, pictorial and descriptive language. It starts mm -hmm. out with a lengthy description of them driving down a highway, like it's in like brand new black asphalt. Uh, they're driving towards a town, and uh, Sugar Boy is driving, and swearing every once in a while and stuttering um and it's 
it's all very beautifully written into this beautiful language. Sure. I don't think this, I mean, I think the story, the bones of the story here are great. And the old movie is, was good-ish. Mm-hmm. And the new movie real stinks it up hardcore. <laughs> but like, there's nothing about the story that was wrong. It was just poorly told. I think maybe to some extent, Sean Penn was fighting against the Broderick Crawford um, portrayal of that character when he was doing those speeches. Yeah, because he bit. really went overboard. Oh, he went crazy on it. And Jude Law's character has basically there's nothing to latch onto as a viewer because Jude Law's character is both unlikable and kind of disinterested in everything that's happening to him. Yeah, I there... latched onto the fact that his eyes were the same color as his suit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, if they were going to go this over the top <coughs> with the Willie character, they should have had Nick Cage play him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? That, that, movie, that might have even been enjoyable <laughs> as a new movie. Yeah, put him in, take Jude Law out, and put... I don't know who you'd put in for this other guy. Mm. I, you need somebody young. Jude Law is much too old for that character. Wow, uh, you're so Hollywood right now. <laughs> he's too old for the character who is a brand new journalist who's learning that politics are corrupt or whatever is, whatever the plot thread is there. It's not like a mid-30s, early 40s. Well, 10 years ago. I mean, Jude Law was, what, uh, late Jude, 20s? You think so? Really? Uh, I would have been mid-20s 10 years ago, so I don't think Jude Law is uh, the same age I am. Maybe, that's true. <laughs> I forget how old I am now. Yeah, right. I think you have to do the math on that. I think Jude Law's in his 40s right now. That's, yeah, that's probably accurate. So there was a scene, oh, it was during the first speech, where mm-hmm. two people that I know of, one being Nicole and one being my husband, had a certain <laughs> response to their, what are they, nail, nail him, him up. up. Nail them up. Something like that. He's talking about Take taking all down those fat yeah. of <laughs> all the corrupt establishment politicians who are the cause of... This, you know, the school collapsing and basically everybody who's a quote-unquote hick, all mm-hmm. their woes are because of these people. And so he very vehemently <laughs> and fiery speeching mm-hmm. um, tones pledges to lock them up and sort of, or not lock them, <laughs> lock, yeah, <laughs> to nail them up and gets the crowd chanting that over and over again in this, you know, fur and... I, as soon as they started saying nail them up and the crowd chanted it, I was like, lock her up, yep. lock her up. It was so reminiscent of just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. easy to, and, you know, stir passions. Right. And sure. We are, and we are basically talking about the same sort of politician. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a populist who is appealing to the population. Yeah, um, like a real Bernie Sanders type. Yeah. <laughs> but the corrupt version, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Huey P. Long... Um, was pretty interesting. We had a little bit of trouble deciding what time period these movies were supposed to be taking place in. So the book yeah. was written in 1947. The first movie came out in 1949. And to me, it looked like they were wearing more 40s-style clothes than 30s-style clothes. But the newer movie looked more like they went back a little bit in time to it. With their, you know, with the, the kind of suit that Jude Law was wearing, his linen suit. Mm-hmm. Um didn't look anything like what the people were wearing in the 40s, which I think was current to their time. And it's based on a governor from the 20s, right? 30s. Oh, from the 30s. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a book written in the 40s about a governor from the 30s. Yes. Huey P. Long, had he not been assassinated, he was assassinated, spoiler alert. Um, <gasps> well, we already talked have, about the plot of this movie. It could be different. Probably would have been trying to um, be the candidate... Uh, at the same time as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So right at the sure. beginning of the Depression. Or, yeah, at the beginning yeah. of the Depression. 
And then what happened? He didn't make it. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard to tell what time period they're supposed to be in in the older movie. I guess in both movies. In the movies. newer movie, movies, I don't right? know. But they don't refer to any historical events. Yeah, they don't talk about how close they were to Prohibition, but we know it's over because they drink a lot. They drink a lot <laughs> and movie. bars. Like, but at every right. in every scene, I can't remember a scene where at least one person isn't holding a drink. Mostly whiskey. Yeah, or, yeah, bourbon, or bourbon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but they don't talk about don't the about war the or the depression. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't think they talked about either of those things in the book either. Hmm. Um, I listened to a podcast, Unbuttoned History, where they did a really good general overview of Huey P. Long, and um, uh oh, I forgot where I was going. What was I just talking about? The you time period that they take. Say, the time period that they take place in? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is no. that what you're going with? Oh, that they no. don't mention the war, the depression, or any of those things. Right. They talked a little bit about the fact that, the, I mean, Louisiana, at the time that Huey P. Long was there, had been in a depression for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and even now, right. it's the yeah. second worst economy in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they've ever quite lifted themselves up out of that. Is Mississippi the By worst? By their bootstraps, Mom? By their boots. <laughs> <laughs> or we haven't done it. Oh, okay. Um, but Huey P. Long did a lot for poor people uh, during yeah. the time that he was there. But he was basically a dictator <laughs> or an authoritarian. Semi-benevolent. But they, yeah. I mean, and that's probably why there's that reference in the movie, the old movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where they're sort of putting out a newsreel about the governor's progress. And towards the end of it, they say, you know, is he a messiah or a dictator? Right. Question. Uh, I also watched a documentary, and it's the documentary that they mentioned in the Unbuttoned History um, podcast as well. I had already watched it before I listened to the podcast. It's a Ken Burns uh, documentary about Huey P. Long. And basically, when he talks to poor people in Louisiana, they say everybody loved Huey P. Long. And when they, he talks to the aristocracy, which is basically what they are, they say he was terribly corrupt and he, he was destroying our state. So... With this being 2018, <laughs> and the world we live in, when we talk about, so he was good to poor people, but neither movie talks about people who aren't white in any, like, any way. The new movie tried to. The new movie has very a very brief scene where, um... About the contractors. Willie, well, no, where Willie is campaigning through all the rural areas and, and you know, oh, that's telling right. the Hicks that he is one of them and, you know, they have power and if they don't you know, you exercise the exercise their right to vote that they're just as, you know, backwards as all the people who are elite say they are. Yes. And one of the crowds that he goes to, one of the rural areas, is a predominantly black area. And one is the swamp <laughs> and they all vote up to his speech, yeah. which I thought was right. great. So that was the newer movie, and I don't know how realistic that is, because at the time that Huey P. Long was in politics, African Americans didn't they really didn't have vote. the vote. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. that they didn't vote, it's that they, they couldn't. couldn't vote. Yeah. Right. There was the poll tax and there were mm-hmm. other laws that really prevented them from voting. So no politician would have been trying to get their vote because it didn't exist. In the But the, he did a lot that helped them because he helped the poor. And anytime right. he helped the poor, it helped African Americans mm-hmm. as well. I'm not saying he was doing it on purpose, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just saying they were helped and they they were on his side, I think. In the new movie, there is also the scene right at the beginning when he's listing, talking about the bad contractors that are in place to build the school. Mm-hmm. He mentions that the cheap contractors were not selected because they were black laborers. Right, right. 
That was that in the newer movie. That's the yeah. newer movie because the newer movie is so much closer to what it like takes dialogue right out of the book, and mm-hmm. that is the argument. Is that the, yeah. yeah. Okay, because I was like, oh, okay, they're going to make some sort of reference to what the experience for people were was like if you were not white in this time period, but they don't. Right. They and give I'm, up on that pretty early. I wanted to mention that um, I read a couple of other things by Robert Warren, Robert Penn Warren. Uh, one was written in 19, I think might have been written in the 30s. It was predates the book, uh, mm. All the King's Men. He was originally a segregationist. By the time we got to the I think 1956, he writes another essay for Life magazine. He is in favor of integration. So some kind of transition occurred. Yeah, it happened. Um, in, the, in the essay he writes, I have the book right here. Twelve Southerners. Yeah, it's called I'll Take My Stand, and it's got 12 essays by uh, Southern writers who are basically against industrialization because it's ruining their, their mm-hmm. culture. And his essay is about the fact that uh, poor that in order to succeed, poor white Southerners need to make sure that black Southerners get an equal deal. Because if they don't, then when there's a strike, say, there will be black okay. Southerners yeah. to, to break that strike. Mm-hmm. Or if a man's building a house and he can choose between someone he can pay less because there's inequality versus someone he has to pay more because he's white, he's going to go with the... You know, it's going to hurt the the poor white Southerner if he doesn't work towards equality. Not that they ever got that message, but because we're still kind of <laughs> having today. a problem. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> any day now. But that was the subject of his essay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, he um, he goes. Oh, it's it's during the the essay that he writes for Life Magazine is right after they decided they needed to integrate the schools, nineteen fifty six. So they haven't integrated them yet, but the but they made the law two years before, and it takes them like 10 years to get around to it. Mm. Um, but he basically just interviews different people in the South about how they feel about integration. And the white people hate it, and black people, some of them like it, some of them <laughs> yeah. don't like it, but it's really honest, uh, really honest responses to this question of what do you think of this thing with no, he doesn't, he doesn't really put a spin on it until the end when he interviews himself and then mm. he answers the questions himself okay and then the life magazine article is he go no that was the life magazine article uh later he wrote a book where he interviewed it was during the civil rights movement he goes and he interviews the leaders of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. yeah that's it oh well. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of went through i think he went through some sort of evolution i would ne- yeah. i wouldn't say he ever quite got there because he was a white southerner from the 1930s as much as he can evolve for that time period he probably did he evolved to some degree i think that's interesting because one of the criticisms you hear about bernie sanders is that he from from the from the left side one of the (laughs) those criticisms is that his focus on economic Justice. justice uh, ignores ignores racial <laughs> despair. <Yeah. laughs> Nicole knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> that is the criticism for him, which is that some of Bernie Sanders's positions would help poor people, including non-white poor people, but that he ignores other issues, other problems that well, they would be. Solving. I think the way they would phrase it is that when he dismisses racial issues, 
in favor of economic issues. He's mm-hmm. ignoring that the racial disparity, you know, issues are contributing to the economic injustices and that if he paid more attention to these, yeah. you know, plights that it would further his own agenda of, you know, fixing the middle class and the lower class. And that possibly historically solutions that aim at economic justice that don't deal with the racial injustice uh, have those same have the same effect. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sort of layering effect continues to happen. Um, so, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, and I see that same one here, right? Although you, mom, you had mentioned that <laughs> Huey P. Long and Trump got a lot of comparisons in the past. Yes, like in the <laughs> Not last. Anymore. No. Oh, still. Oh, yeah. People are still writing it about it, not because Huey... Hey, I think Huey P. Long is more like what people actually wanted Trump to be. Yes. Somebody who actually... Did stuff. Did stuff that actually helped pe- poor, poor white, white people. people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what they instead got was this other guy who said things, and they just... Did his own thing. took his word for it. So weird. It's so yeah. Weird. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's striking in terms of um, the rhetoric that's used in both current day and in the movies that um, Willie's character is told by Jack's character in both movies to stop giving detailed policies on how you're going to make changes Mm -hmm. because nobody's going to pay attention to that. They don't have time to listen to it. Rile them up. Be more emotional and, Mm -hmm. you know, clipped and (laughs) soundbite-ish in your messaging, um, particularly in having someone to blame. So a few times it reminded me of some of the themes of Gabriel over the White House too, mm-hmm. yeah. which took place uh, right after, which was released right around the time. I mean, we were in the Depression at the time, right? Yeah, well, I don't sure. Know. Yeah, probably. So. It was around the same time. Um, yeah, because people were desperate and they were looking for a, a savior, right? Yeah. And someone like a Trump, a sideshow Bob, if you will. <laughs> yes, a Trump, a Huey P. Long, a Willie Stark. Uh-huh. Uh, Gabriel over the White House, whatever yeah. that guy's name is, um, somebody to just come in and say, I'm going to take charge of everything. <laughs> and rule gonna, you like a king. Right, I'm going to break all the rules. I'm going to ignore the Constitution, and I'm going to make policies that will make your life better. Sure. Any day now that's happening. Right. right guys? <laughs> I think the only difference is that in um, this movie, both movies, they're very pointed about or at least I, I don't know about the old one as much as the new one. In the new one, they're much more pointed about it being a rich versus poor thing. And they talk mm-hmm. about specifically taxing the businesses who are getting the oil and you know yeah. the electricity and things like that. And that is how they're going to fund things for the poor people. Whereas there isn't so much a current message of the 1% have everything it's and that's how we're going to, yeah, it's mm-hmm. someday you'll be rich. And so why would we Any day now, hurt, hurt the job creators? Yeah, we can't hurt the job here. creators if you want more money. You know, it's, we have to give them tax breaks so they can, yeah, trickle down that money to you. So it's, it's very, <laughs> it's interesting to me how much <coughs> the populist message has switched from so, <laughs> that. Well, I don't know that that's true though. That's not what he said to them on the campaign trail. He didn't say, I'm going to give all our money to the rich people. Well, he does. He says, no, no, that's what I'm saying. It's the opposite message. In the old one, he says, I'm going to, what is it, soak them? Yeah, and then spread soak it the th- fat cats. Soak the fat cats and spread it thin. And then 
in the in the current day, it's no, no, no. You know, the rich people having money isn't what's causing your problems. It's, no, what it's I'm, them not having enough tax breaks and enough freedom to give you their money. That's what he's saying now that he got elected. What I'm saying is the way that he got, the message he got elected on was not bad. Trump, really? Yeah, I would say Trump, I mean, that was definitely the, the discussion during the campaign in my memory was him and Bernie Sanders have very similar... I mean, he kept saying he was going to help the poor people, but I don't think he ever said he was going to... He said he wouldn't tax, tax the rich people. Medicaid because he meant Medicare. <laughs> right. Because he doesn't know the, the difference. difference. Yeah. Uh, so we're recording this. I have to say this every episode now because we live in nightmare world. Right. Uh, it's February 3rd, <laughs> I think. Um, as of this morning, uh, Paul Ryan had, sent, had tweeted a story about how he had talked to a school teacher i believe it was a school teacher who was very excited to tell him that because of the tax cut she'd be receiving an extra dollar 50 each week and that is enough to afford a costco membership over the year and he got so completely soaked for saying that that he has since deleted that (laughs) i literally my jaw just dropped yeah Yeah, within (laughs) the last couple of hours because i saw all these people responding to him but the tweet was deleted he he actually felt shame for the first time in his life and no he didn't no no he he is already his social media director yeah somebody felt shame on his behalf i don't think they felt shame they just knew they were losing oh god so that is that is the current trickle down uh world we're living in a dollar fifty today so exciting dollar fifty a week well that was almost identical i mean he sent that one remember when they um i don't remember what they did on healthcare. they did something on healthcare, um and he sent out this 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 facebook or tweet or whatever about somebody making seventy thousand dollars a year would now save like Right. They would be able to pay for their insurance because they would be saving money on their taxes. And it was like, if you did the math, they saved like, I don't know, $1,000 for the year. Yeah. Do you know how much health insurance costs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's Uh, not great. Yeah. I well, hold on. I can but he's not a populist. No. We can't. No. No. He's never pretended to. No. I mean, my health insurance premiums went up, I think, $2,000 this year, and I'm covered by... And a lot of that is... That is after a significant... Subsidy? Subsidy. But those are going away. It is still doubled. And are you on ACA? No, I have to pay for my own. But I got... Well, I guess I'm on the ACA. The subsidy is the Washington State. I am in a position where they subsidize... What used to be, I think, about 40%, but as of this year, is now like 60 or 70% because the... Uh, health insurance i was on said yeah this is the last year we're doing that we're just you're moving up from bronze to silver we don't do bronze plans anymore Mm. and they doubled the price yikes i read a book i don't know several years ago and the only good thing about the book was the title (laughs) (laughs) what was it i want to know the title it was a title and one scene where she illustrates the title and it's called free food for rich people (laughs) and i think about it because she she's she's like working in the stock market or something Mm -hmm. and you know then they it's like when you work in a big company and then they bring in all the food, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, have some food, you people, you salaried people who really sure. don't need it, who mm-hmm. could afford to buy your lunch. And I think every time they bring in bagels or donuts or whatever mm-hmm. where I work, I'm like, oh, yay, free food for rich people. Because mm-hmm. I basically fall into the category, I guess, upper middle class. I'm not rich, but I definitely have everything sure. I need. I don't need people to buy me bagels. Could you buy bagels for the homeless you person on the street? Nice jobs. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, I remember at my old job, whenever they would hand out corporate-branded merchandise, I'd be like, I don't need a Bluetooth speaker with 
the company logo on it, if you could just stick that $35 on my paycheck, that would be more <laughs> that would helpful be nice. to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, can't, I can't pay my rent <laughs> with mm-hmm. this Bluetooth speaker that I don't need. Yeah, we live in a very complicated time right now for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For any sort of economic question, uh, I mean, the whole the last month has been dominated with reconciliation and the debt ceiling and the budget. I mean, it's all money talk. And also the biggest selling point right now is like, look how great the stock market is. Which just crashed. Which <laughs> just crashed. But like, look how great and unemployment's so low. But it is. Fifty <laughs> percent of Americans don't own a single stock, so that has no impact on most yeah. people's lives. But if you were had a lot of stock, that would be great for you. Um, uh, yesterday, I was listening to, I think it's Crooked Conversations. I think mm-hmm. was the one, and it was Anna Marie Cox talking to her conservative, uh, never Trumper friend. That one guy. That one guy. Uh, they disagree politically, except they both don't like <coughs> Donald Trump. Sure. Um, and he went into a lot of detail on, uh, you know, what Republicans are thinking and what how. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes. But okay, <laughs> go ahead. Um, I, I don't know. Is it still where are her emails? No. Okay. I mean, there's a difference Walk between <laughs> there's a difference between a Trump supporter, a conservative, and a Republican, right? Those are actually three different categories. Sure. You can mm-hmm. be a conservative and still care about people, and uh, you, your way of Achieving the goal of equality may be stupid. Yeah. I mean, I might disagree with it and think I, it's not going to work. I don't like, but that doesn't mean you don't believe it. Personally, I don't like individualized racism. I like mine on a systemic level. So I find that more, more appealing. So that puts me in the conservative category. That's not what a conservative is. Isn't it, though? No, you're talking about a white supremacist or a white nationalist. No, that's I, a, that's I know a, what you mean. It's the people who say that they are socially liberal but fiscally conservative. Yeah, I yeah. want to cut <laughs> social <laughs> services. I'm not racist myself, but I only want to do things that impact... Uh, predominantly people of color negatively. Yeah. Yeah, all right. (laughs) It's the people who say those things and then when you press them on specific policies, sort of shrug their shoulders about the impact they have on these issues that they call themselves, you know, socially liberal on. Well, I mean, if you just look at how things work, you wouldn't... Why would you continue (laughs) to have those conservative theories? Why would you stick with theories that haven't worked in the past? Why would you go back to trickle-down theory... The trickle down theory. When we've tried it no. before, it works if you're a millionaire. That's why. Right. I mean, because, it does work because they uh. they consider themselves temporarily embarrassed. Middle, yeah, millionaires. Or millionaires. Some, millionaires. Someday yeah, they'll I mean, be there. The people we elect are the millionaires. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are an awful lot of very wealthy people, very wealthy right. white hey. men running our country. That Kennedy That's, family's on its right. It's coming back. It is coming now. back. It is coming back. Um, but at least they make nice speeches. Yeah, it's great. You can have another hemophiliac uh, king any day now. <laughs> so I take it you're not into the idea of the Kennedy dynasty no! coming back. Why would anyone in this political climate because be like... Because Trump is president. That's yeah. why. Why, like why anyone this... is better. Well, yeah. That's not true. Not, no, not necessarily not true. true, but... Um, but I think they are kind of going through the... They, the people who are strategizing how to get rid of Donald Trump are thinking... How do we appeal? They need somebody charismatic. Need, right. Do we need where's to have some... Where's those white suburbanites? Where are they coming Yeah. In? Where's this young white guy with the curly hair that can make nice speeches? Maybe that's somebody that everybody will vote for, except it isn't. No, because, it's because not. Because they are not getting the mindset of... of what the, went wrong. It yeah. kills me to watch Doug Jones get elected and now vote 
conservative positions on every. I mean, I'm just not surprised. But... After we had one week where it was like black women elected Doug Jones, yeah, and then he was like, "Well, what if I wanted to get reelected?" He's, you know, well, he's like, oh, "I'm representing the whole state, not just." He's never the getting reelected. Who... How it's, would he possibly get reelected? Insane! It's an insane position, but that. Oh, and that's the best we can do. I mean, but it was worth it to keep Roy Moore oh, yeah. out of the oh, Senate. Yeah. So he's a monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a 100% lesser of two evils success uh-huh. story. I just was hoping it was good versus evil, not <laughs> lesser of two evils. Oh, you have so much more faith in Georgia than yeah, I do. <laughs> no, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Wasn't it Arkansas? Alabama. 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 Alabama than I do. Oh, they're all the same. <laughs> Southern and horrible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's February 3rd, so we're a day after the memo was released. Politics has changed forever because of the memo. That said nothing. Two things I did not do last week. I did not watch the State of the Union because I could not possibly have done so. I didn't read the memo. I did not watch the State of the Union. It's the first one that I haven't watched since I was a kid. I've been always watching. Yeah, because I just knew it would make me agitated. There's nothing to learn from it. He doesn't (coughs) stick to any of his quote-unquote policies. And they announced in advance (laughs) he's not going to say anything. Uh, Yeah, and so so I just knew it was going to make me angry. Um, I did read the memo because I wasn't sure sure if I was going to, and then I was reading commentary about it, and then was like, oh, this is definitely worth reading. It says nothing. In fact, it says the opposite of what they hyped it up to say. Right. The purpose of the memo is not to be read. It's to be talked about. Yeah. It's for them to tell us what the memo is about because they know we're not going to read. They know that a lot of people, Trump supporters in particular, are not going to read the memo. They're just going to take whatever they're told and believe that that's what the memo says. And in this crazy political climate we're in, it's still important that the memo be factually correct, even if the point is not to read it. <laughs> the actual information in the memo is not supportive of what they said. No. They don't want you to read it, but they're also not going to lie. So it's well, just... Uh, in the memo, they're not going to Not in the memo, they're not going to lie. So it is a factually correct, if misleading, thing that doesn't say anything. Yeah, it doesn't it support does, any of their talking it gives, points. It gives President Trump the opportunity to say... I told you so. <laughs> what, if, what was his oh, tweet? No. It was something like, the president isn't... The, the memo supports the president. Yeah, as we Trump. said all along. The, the FBI is corrupt, and this was, you know, a right. witch hunt and... What's Don Jr.? No collusion, no Russia. Don You're Jr. the puppet. Don Jr. tweet like, ha when I talk to Russia, that's not what I said. Whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, Don Jr. is so dumb. Yeah. I mean, we've got two, three guilty pleas already. There seems like there might be something going on. Well, it's hard to believe they haven't committed some financial crimes because... People come in, people pled guilty already. Yeah. Right. How, how would you not? I think uh, the point is exactly what you're saying, though. It's to talk about the memo and get yeah. the base riled up so that when it comes down to the decision on whether or not um, the Congress needs to go anywhere with yeah. this, that there won't be the widespread support for it. I think they're really just looking for undermining any actual follow through. I mean, we're in a place where this week the vote on Russia sanctions passed with 10 people voted against it out of 435 something like that and the white house just said we're not going to go forward with this and that everybody just let that happen it just, just went it was on by. it was the news yeah. for about we 10 minutes we're not going to yeah <laughs> um, we're just not going to follow the law this time yeah, there's just Hard and there's pass. no consequences for it it's a yeah. very 
crazy time that we live in. Putin got what he paid for. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he paid, I hope he, he paid for something. He didn't pay that much. That was Putin, one of the Putin things got they, what he blackmailed for. <laughs> yeah, um, they talked a little bit about how much was spent on uh, me- messing with our mm-hmm. in, uh, elections, and it wasn't that much. It was like one point five million dollars mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something. Whereas the Koch brothers are pouring tens of millions of dollars into it into our elections. So who is meddling with them more? I mean, we have another election coming up. It's not going to stop. It's going to be crazier next time. It's going to be a, a wild. Who knows what's going to happen in 2018? Well, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. I can well, you, predict you, you that. You don't get to. You don't have to. You have to vote for whoever. I yeah. don't know. Some, another Kennedy. They have other kids? <laughs> how many Kennedys are there? There's let's all vote for her. Caroline him. Kennedy. I don't remember how old she is. Put her in. Mm. Let's, let's elect her. There you go. She's At least she's a lady. Mitt Romney and, some, <laughs> and a handful of Kennedys. Chelsea Clinton. What are we? All right. So, what else do we want to talk about about this movie? These movies. Can we talk about their terrible accents some more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty clear that we did not enjoy the new one. Yeah. I th- oh, you know what? I, I do have something one? to say about the new one. Okay. I, I mentioned this to my mom, which is that I had a bizarre experience watching the new All the King's Men. So, on, like, Monday, I rented it on Amazon Prime. And I saw, and it has like a six or seven out of ten rating on hmm. whatever Amazon. Generous, yeah, <laughs> very generous. But I was like, "Oh, look at all these great actors! Yeah. Never heard of this movie. I assume it must be a great movie." And so I started watching it. And I'm like, "Wow, this really is hard to follow, and the accents are goofy, and it's kind of boring." But I kept because I assumed that it was a really good. <laughs> movie maybe something you mom had said to me made me think that it was like a really critically acclaimed i kept trying to justify it to myself i was watching it were you confusing it with all the president's men no i know that (laughs) i've seen that movie and it is good but i was like maybe i'm just not in the right mindset maybe it's good but i just don't get where it's coming or maybe politics have changed so much so i kept trying to watch it half an hour at a time being like I don't like it, but I feel like it's probably <laughs> going to turn around at some point because this is like a really supposed to be a really good movie. And then after I'd watched the entire thing, then I looked up the movie. I was like, oh, no, this was like... It's a flop. Uh, Roger Ebert's least favorite movie of the year. It's a huge, <laughs> one of the biggest flops of 2006. I think it's actually the biggest flop of 2006. Probably. Uh, it made no money. Nobody liked it. It was critically bad. an expensive cast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can play back the tape. From our last episode where mm-hmm. I mentioned these two movies, I definitely didn't say it was a good movie. Okay. I said, I may have been somewhat vague and said, one of these movies won some Academy Awards and the other one's not very good. That must have been it. Yeah. In my head, I started watching it and I was like, You're like, oh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in this? Of course it's an award. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, I don't feel like I like it, but I must be wrong. <laughs> it must be good. So I ended up renting it twice because I watched half of it. And then I was like, I'll get to the rest of this later. And then my subscription expired and I rented again. <laughs> oh. Well, there were things about the new movie that I liked. It was beautifully shot. Yeah. The cinematographer also did The Pianist and quite yeah. a few other it movies. Was, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the costuming was great. Mm-hmm. And it seemed very consistent in the period. Yeah. Some of the acting was really good. I thought they probably did exactly what the director told them to do. Mm-hmm. So we can't really fault them for that. It James was, Gandolfini was fun. He's always great. Yep. So, yeah. I always like Jude Law, even if he's not... Like, I never dislike Jude Law. It, it's kind of hard to. <laughs> yeah. He seems like a decent person. And I, but, 
I thought Trump. <laughs> did he do something okay. bad? Yeah, didn't he like sleep with his nanny and cheat on Sienna Miller? Oh, I don't know. Oh, whatever. <laughs> is, that, is that where the bar is on more feelings these days? Whatever. Well, I mean, maybe the bar is, was it consensual? Uh, was she oh, pressured? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was going to say that's where the bar is, right? So a cheater's okay as long as it was consensual. Uh, yeah. It's Cheating. better than a, better than, the bar is so low that it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It so, is, you shouldn't sleep with your nanny. That's no, a no. that's a bad dynamic. Yes. yes. Yeah, so that's also, his in his films, he's comes across as a very likable. Uh, that I will give. I you. love existence. I mean, yeah, he's very charming. Yeah, I actually liked Sean Penn in the movie. I thought he oh, acted. It was on. good acting. He is oh. a good actor, but there's just something about him that's just consistently not appealing it wasn't a yeah i actually don't think it was one of his better performances i think he's a much Mm. more nuanced actor in things that have been critically acclaimed and this one i don't know if he was tired or yeah phoning it in he's just yelling the whole time yeah it just you know even even in the old movie the guy is clearly villainous (coughs) but he's much more subtle with his sort of mannerisms and the arc of where he goes with things. Yeah. And in the first few scenes where you see his face, he has no, there's no guile. There's, it's, mm-hmm. He looks very innocent. Right. But also, to be fair, the new movie starts with a scene in the current period, and it's very clear that he's corrupt in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the flashback to his origin, so maybe that tainted it. I he's don't know. very hammy. But yeah, his character he's is extremely hammy. Not subtle. Uh, I think it is worth mentioning, primarily in the new movie, but in both. Uh, there are no people of color in any meaningful roles, and the women characters are all caricatures. Hmm. Well, they're all they're all mistresses, sexual toys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sadie Burke, who is the only like meaningful character in both movies, meaningful female character. Well, she's what supposed she... to be this, you know, competent political operative, and she's reduced to a jealous mistress. Yeah, it's yeah, that was sad. That's her dumb. entire character. That was sad. That is bad. That is bad writing. She was one of my favorite characters in the old movie, though. That actress she deserved was, her. She was Oscar. much more compelling in the old movie than in the new one. Yeah, I think Patricia Clark does her best, but that mm-hmm. is a bad character mm-hmm. that does not have a character arc and doesn't do a whole lot aside from kind of nag and then Pine be over upset. Willie. <laughs> yeah, and then d- betray him at the end. She's the strongest female character in the movie, and aside from her, we yeah, have really. his wife. Yeah. Who disappears. Disappears yeah. pretty quick. His mother, who I don't even remember Jude, her Jude in, Law's the, mother. in the old movie. Yeah. Jack yeah. Jack Burden's mother. Uh and Anne. Mm-hmm. All very weak characters. Mm-hmm. That's and it. how many of them had affairs with Willie Stark? Anne and Sadie. And he was married to Lucy. Lucy. And he was married to Lucy. Yeah, so three out of the four women. <laughs> Not gonna pass the Bechdel oh, test. But the fourth woman had an affair and had an illegitimate right child. <laughs> At least in one she of never movies. told that uh-huh. the judge was his dad. No, fe- no two female characters ever talk to each other in this. Hmm. Yeah. Not gonna pass that test. What's interesting is, I mean, it's probably because she's more predominant, but Lucy is a slightly more strong character in the old movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she sort of stands up to Willie and doesn't put up with his but she's there at least. but yeah i mean but i don't think i don't think divorce was really an option his family life becomes is actually a plot point in the old yeah. movie it's not at all but but movie, she's no. not she's not you know doe-eyed and she's not falling no. for anything he's doing she right. recognizes what a bad person he is and the ill effects he's having on their child whereas in the movie she's just not around she's, not she's just she's in one scene and then she's sort of talked about in passing to remind everybody that he's a philanderer 
I, I texted you guys the AV Club mm-hmm. article yes. about <laughs> this movie as a flop, and one of the things they mentioned about the about the new movie is that the movie starts generally focusing on Willie Stark as a character, and about the halfway point <laughs> kind of jumps the rails and focuses on Jude Law's character almost exclusively through the rest of the movie. The old movie's not like that. The old movie actually kind of jumps between them and follows Willie Stark's family and the other stuff going on in his life. But at about the halfway point, the new movie is like, let's see what's going on in (laughs) Jack Burton's family life and the judge and what he's up to. In the old movie, like, uh, Willie Stark is there when the judge kills himself. But in the new movie, he's not. He's just not a part of that storyline, aside from being the inciting it force but then he just is tapped out till the end which is a weird like just a weird movie making choice is to be like sean penn's one of the main stars but he's gonna dip out for like 20 25 minutes i think it's sort of is the old movie they're trying to explain his hold on anne Mm -hmm. you know and he has a you know sort of charismatic hold on her but he also has a physical hold on her (laughs) in that scene right um whereas in the new movie it's not very well explained why Anne sticks around. I really didn't get get it in either movie just because Anne in both movies is played by a very beautiful yeah. young actress who's seems to be relatively intelligent and it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand his charismaticness his yeah. in either of the movies. I don't know if anybody wants Willie or Jax? Willie. Okay. I mean, I think it, you know, there is sort of the stereotype of a powerful man mm-hmm. with a beautiful younger mm-hmm. uh, mistress, but kind of fill in some of those blanks using a stereotype, right? But she, trope. but the Anne character doesn't fit the stereotype woman. No, she comes from money. She doesn't really need that. But she seems very doe-eyed in the older movie, whereas in the new one, Kate Winslet didn't really play her that way. She just no. sort of, I don't know. I don't know why she falls for <laughs> right. Sean Penn. Thinking back on it, I also want to say, like, Jack Burton, Jude Law does his best, as best he can. But Jack Burton, Burton's character is... Bland. Both bland <laughs> and bizarre. Yeah. Like, taking out of the context of this movie, you're talking about someone of a inde- indeterminate age who is comes from wealth, becomes a journalist, stops being a journalist to be a political operative, and even though he really doesn't like his job and doesn't seem to need it, and is asked to do stuff he finds personally reprehensible, goes along with it just kind of for no reason. I think well, in the old one, they do a better job of explaining yeah, they it. Do. And they and But only because they have the judge saying, you believe him because you don't want to admit that you made a mistake backing this guy. Well, yeah. they also make it make more sense because there's a period of time where he's unemployed, and then they give him right. a job. But he's only unemployed because he had so much integrity. He didn't want to go along with <laughs> the newspaper point. office who refused to print critical stories of the incumbent. And But Jack know. Burton's character does not strike me as Moral. full of integrity. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't even no. describe, what is his personality? No. He's, he's well, even, a guy. I mean, the Jude Law character from the very get-go says, I don't care about anything. Yeah, I don't give a shit about this, and I'm rich. Right. Like, he's from a rich family, so he doesn't need to do anything. But it's of this. weird because he's the narrator, so he keeps telling us that he's making an evolution and that he's, yeah. because of his exposure to Willie, he's noticing how different the rich community he grew up in is from the rest of the state and all it's that kind of such stuff. Such a you weird know, choice. You know, he does that metaphor of how, you know, you have to cross the river to get to, you know, where he grew up. And 
for the first time he realized it might just be you know not just be the water that separates them and it's like oh god because that's not a trope it's not like willie stark where you kind of fill in the details with like yeah he's a corrupt politician yeah. so when i don't know what's going on i can be like oh here's where he's come from it's like jack burton is this is he supposed to be like a rich socialite is he supposed to be a man of the people i don't know where they're going with any there of is a it, jude law makes at least some small reference to this and there's a section in the book where jack burden is talking about his motivation or how he looks at the world yeah uh, and he says he's an ideologist is that is that right he's an maybe he's an idealist I, he, idolo- ideologue? In, yeah i don't know i have no idea where he, you're going with in this. the in he says that if you don't know about it it won't hurt you as if you know you can just mm. live a happy life if you don't know about the bad stuff and that he had learned that from a book and excuse me had sort of applied that to his life Mm -hmm. up to a point he doesn't say whether he's still following that cat that that uh philosophy or has changed in some way but he goes into some detail about how he took on this philosophy and was living his life by it it's weird though because the at the beginning of the movie well as relative <laughs> so you can get to um, how the time travels in this movie. Um, Anne remarks about she just he seems lost that you know he doesn't seem to be following through anything. He went to law school for a year and then now he's you know working as a reporter and then he quits that job and he doesn't seem to have any follow through in anything he's doing mm-hmm. except that he sticks with Willie for yeah. <laughs> unknown reasons. Yeah, so then, I don't yeah. understand his character at all. And then the Sean Penn character at some point says, you know, he's he says, why do you stick with me? Yeah. And Jude Law can't answer, and the answer that he gets from Sean Penn is because that's how our relationship works. Yeah. And that's all you get. It's so strange. Yeah. I didn't understand that. (laughs) That is not well developed in the... I I think that is a character that would make sense sense in a book if you just didn't explore it very much. He's the narrator. He's telling you what's up. But he still has to have a reason for being in all those places that he was in. That's true, but you don't have to... I think in a book you can leave some of that stuff more ambiguous than in a movie where it's like, I see him. Why is he not leaving this room? Yeah. Why doesn't he get up and walk out of the room? Uh, in the newer movie, the one that was much more close to the book, mm-hmm. uh, they have a conversation in the car where Jude Law asks Willie Stark if he winked at him during their first mm-hmm. meeting. <laughs> now, did he wink at him during the first meeting? I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> and now, that does happen in the book. Uh, and they have that conversation, and it ends up pretty much the same way with the really stark character just stringing him along mm-hmm. and making it like you'll never know whether I, whether I was implying that you and I were on the same page at that first meeting where we <laughs> met with Duffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if I just had something in my eye and it was a blink. No. Yeah, I, I mean, I get Willie Stark and Sean Penn's character and all that. Like that actually works for me with mixed success, but I understand where that character's coming from. I mm-hmm. see the charisma, or at least the implication that he right. has charisma. Jude Law's character, I'm like, I kind of lose the plot of what his role in it. What, where, where, what's in it for him? Where's well, he going? And with? also because it was very hard to pinpoint what his age was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, that doesn't help. That doesn't help at all, because in the newer movie, there's this whole aside about his relationship with Anne and how they were going to sleep together, and then he didn't sleep with her and she seemed very disappointed and he sort of told yeah. her like well we have all the time in the world you know we don't need to do this and then she fades you know dramatically from yeah. the from the scene and he's standing in an empty room and 
you know, he's sort of like, if I knew then what I know now, how different things were. And it's just so strange. It was, yeah. it was like, did he think, I don't know. They don't really explain it. If, where, what is it? Cause she was too young. Is it because deep down he knew they were related? Yeah. I buy that character because it's like, oh yeah, he's in the thrall of a more powerful mm-hmm. figure who can just boss him around because he doesn't know any better. But if he's in but his 30s. But Jim Blossom's not in 19, so, yeah, so you have to say that out loud. Otherwise I'm like, why is he just sticking around? Just go back to, go get a job somewhere. Just quit. Do something else. You don't seem to enjoy anything about this. You have money. You're not, yeah, right? You're from a family money. It's very strange. A family who clearly would be happy to support you based on the scenes and we've seen. And don't like Willie, so yeah, it would be doubly. <laughs> yeah. Go back, have lunch with them again, but just don't bring Willie with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And why is Sugar Boy there? Like, he doesn't do anything. Literally just to shoot. Adam at the end, which could have been done by There's like four anyone. scenes of him with a gun, showing that he has a gun. He shoots some bottles. I think he's only around in the old movie so that you know that he's responsible for the disappearance and murder of the, the father, the father yeah. of the crash victim. But in the, yeah, so in the new movie, I think he's just there because he's a character. It's that, it's that saying where if you see a gun in the first yeah. second <laughs> multiple times in the third act, I guess it gotta go off eventually. <laughs> well, the other thing that they chose not to have in the new movie, they chose that he not have a stutter, but he does yeah. have a stutter. He has a stutter. He has a very severe stutter in the book. They didn't really. Well, he's nice to him. Oh, <clears throat> they didn't really do that in the old movie. It was very. It was a very Brief. lightweight stutter. But basically, he doesn't talk very much, and when he does, he has a very severe stutter mm-hmm. in the book. Um, and he's there all the time. He's in everything. Mm-hmm. He's always just by menacing his side. in the background. Right. It would, yeah. And they describe his character, and he, you know, he loves to drive and. Swears a lot at the slow drivers. And you get to see that a little bit in the old movie because you see him driving like a maniac mm-hmm. around cars and stuff. Right. But they don't really talk about it or explain why that's important. No. There was something I forgot that I wanted to talk about from the new movie. <gasps> at the end of the movie, when um, uh, Willie is mm-hmm. leaving the hearing where they were trying to decide whether they were going to bring him up on charges and he doesn't get brought up on them because he's yeah. blackmailed everybody out of it. Um and he sees uh, Jack in the crowd, and he's coming down from the balcony into the elevator. As he goes down the elevator, the the movie changes from color into black and white. Yes. And it transitions, and that's the end scene where Adam comes out and shoots him. Yeah. And why did you guys think they changed the movie to black and white? Is it because it was, you know, the Kill Bill reason where it was violent mm-hmm. and they needed to sort of remove it? Was it a throwback oh. to the original? Was it to make it look more like a news atmosphere and a newsreel what what was the stylistic choice for that do you think i thought it was a <laughs> so at the i had a thing with that scene too that i did not like so they both get shot mm-hmm. and they're they fall okay so the movie <laughs> opens the, the movie opens on this big brass seal on the floor of i guess the louisiana state mm-hmm. courthouse yeah. the picture of louisiana is on the seal yeah and they and then they focus down and down and down to the mini this, seal inside the seal. Yeah. <laughs> and so when the Adam character shoots the Willie Stark character in the new movie, they fall down on this seal. The seal's mm-hmm. big enough for yeah. both their bodies to fall mm-hmm. onto it. And then they're uh, bleeding, and then the blood goes all through the brass letters and, and engravings until it makes a pool, connected pool between them. What? Yeah. Also, the crowd is not standing well, it's like on the... they're not so different, you and I. Well, no, it was to... sort of the cracks that it was flowing through, because the the giant seal is the state of Louisiana, so it was flowing through the, like the rivers that were engraved. That was the indentation of the seal. It was very metaphorical. What is the metaphor? It's sort of like that they both like 
bled for Louisiana. the good, you know, the betterment of Louisiana. That <laughs> Their blood they is gave, the Yeah, the, they both sacrificed, but for different reasons, <laughs> right. you know. But none what of the rest of them. What did doctor do? <laughs> well, also, he stopped Willie. Yeah, I guess Who so. was, you know. That's not the kind of movie that it was. None of the rest of the movie was like that. And then well, the rat runs in front of the screen in front of the statehouse yeah, or whatever. Say, if you consider the rest of the movie being very heavy-handed, it goes Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the opening scene where they're focusing on the seal is very long. Like, it is slowly, slowly, oh, slowly, yeah. slowly going in on the seal. Forever. And you're like, yeah, no, that... we get it. It's Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, it had very powerful music. Yes. With oh, that no score. They were it. very happy. It was like the only scene that was free of people. Yeah. I, that, that scene engaged me entirely because I yes. was trying to read the seal. I was trying to write, read the words and figure yeah, out. And, and all it says is the state of Louisiana. <laughs> and you're like, oh, got it. <laughs> a boot? So, yeah, I just thought that was super interesting that they went from color to black and white for I, no, reason. no reason I can see. No, but I'm sure funny. they thought they had a reason. Yeah. I just don't know what they thought the reason was. The other comparison I made with that scene was the same scene in the in the old movie. And it was... the that the old movie was more realistic than the new movie <laughs> because we got this weird scene and no, none of the crowd, there's no sound from the crowd mm. in that scene where they die in the new movie mm-hmm. where they're laying there bleeding and the, none of the crowd is standing on the seal. Mm-hmm. So they're forming a perfect circle around these two bodies, one, which are, what, head to toe, whatever, one-headed, one, yeah. you know. They're laying face down, both face down, basically in the same position, but one, you know, foot head. Like a yin and yang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the old movie... The doctor gets shot by Sugar Boy, uh, but there's... <laughs> Dies <laughs> so horribly, like right. just fake, <laughs> <laughs> dropping to his knees and gets repeatedly more shot by right. Sugar Yeah, Boy. shot a lot. But also the crowd is going wild. But that's because yes. there are the armed guards there that all have machine guns. Oh, and they're just firing them into, yeah. So I think the crowd is dispersing because of the continual gunfire. Right, but it's chaotic the yeah. way it would really be. Right, yeah. and it should have been in the new movie, right. but it was not. But it was just but weird. It was more and for some reason, Anne is very emotional, but like you don't know why she's upset. Like, Is it because her brother's dead? Is it because Willie's dead? Is it because she's an uninspiring character who like <laughs> yeah. doesn't know what to do? And... Hey, so yeah. there's... Uh, I mentioned earlier that Huey P. Long was assassinated. Mm-hmm. He was assassinated by a doctor. Um, uh, although there is some there's some conspiracy theories around that Um, was there a second shooter? there were a lot of shooters (laughs) actually so uh, basically what happened or what probably happened is this doctor uh, just walked up to him and shot him he had a lot of bodyguards who then emptied their guns into the doctor Uh, so that would be the guys with the machine guns Mm -hmm. and then Huey P. Long didn't die at the scene. He was taken to the hospital, and it took a few days, and then he died. Some of the conspiracy theories were that they, the bodyguards emptied their bullets into the doctor to cover up the fact that they were the ones that actually shot <gasps> Huey P. Long. The family of the doctor, even to this day, says there's no way he would have done it. Um, what were some of the other conspiracy theories? Aliens? Reptile? People? No. But Did they have a pre-existing relationship? I believe the father of the doctor was maybe about to lose his job due to something that Huey P. Long was mm, doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. But he didn't have, you know, personal relationship with him, so he didn't have the same access that Adam has in the movie. He just walked up to him and sh- shot him. There mm. wasn't any security to mm. worry about. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 
Way to go, Louisiana. Oh, it's the deep state, I can guess. I can. <laughs> That's a phrase I learned in the last year. Mm. Well, it, it was a little chilling in the documentary, in the Ken Burns documentary. They're interviewing this, you know, obviously very wealthy Southern woman who's saying, well, we didn't really, we weren't going to kill him, but we wanted him to be killed. We were... <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> right. It was, she was like, I wasn't going to kill him personally, but I was really hoping somebody would. Did the... Um, well, Sadie kept saying that over and over in the movie, <laughs> that she was going to kill him because he was, you know, sleeping with other women who weren't yeah. his wife and her. Well, and according to the Wikipedia article about the plot of this movie, Tiny and Sadie collude to, to convince the doctor to kill him so that Tiny can become the governor. And he does mm. in the new one. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, in yeah. the Wikipedia article of that... Which, based on the scenes, I probably wouldn't have pieced that together. But I was like, ah, aha! No. There's a conspiracy in the new movie. The old movie, it's not at all. (laughs) Hmm. He just gets shot because he's mad. In fact, the doctor doesn't even really have a scene where he gets mad. He just is, like, there disheveled and shoots Willie. And there were different motivations. In the old movie, he was upset Mm -hmm. because he blamed Willie for the judge killing himself. And mm-hmm. in the new one, he was upset because Willie was going to have him be the fall guy for this corrupt I mean, waste of money no, hospital. Just no, doctor. Just but be like, <laughs> I don't want to do it. You don't have to be the fall guy. It was, yeah, I don't know. They made a drink tonight. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Well, okay, two things. Um, did did you like the old movie? Yes. Yeah. It was a little slow, but it I liked a little it. Slow. I think I liked it, but I'm not sure if I would have liked it independent of disliking the new one and comparing the two and being like, wow, this is so much better. Right. Yeah. I was a little concerned about watching them in the order that we did because it was like, these are the same story. Do And I knew that one was bad and one was good. And mm-hmm. I was like, if we watch a bad movie with the same story and then watch <laughs> a good movie with the same story, how is, the, how is the better movie affected by that order of Better sequence? than the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Although I think I would have understood the new one. It might have been a little more clear for me to follow. Mm-hmm. If I had seen the old one first and understood the plot, when well, I was well, watching, now you could watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no one's stopping you. Hey, read the book. Oh, <laughs> Even having read the book, there were some scenes at the beginning of the new movie where I was like, "Well, they didn't explain that very well." I had all this context in my mind that I got from the book that they're not describing at all. But you know, when I asked your dad, you said, "Oh, I got that." I thought, like, yeah. "All right, so maybe I just can't understand this movie." Maybe Dad's lying. Let's not. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. Sue me. Understand. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's great. I no, we're it. definitely both thinking of the same thing, but you should say it first. <laughs> so, do you now have a more positive or negative opinion of the book? Yeah. The book is problematic. So, it was written by a white Southern man in 1947. My pet peeve is the word problematic. Now, when you say problematic, do you mean racist? Yes. Okay. I mean, there's no... I, I didn't say he was a racist earlier, but there's no way... Let's just he's go for just. It. He's a racist. I mean, he was born and raised in a racist place. Right. Uh, he's, and he wrote this book. There are no, he refers to them as Negroes. There are no Negro characters in the book either, but they talk about Negroes a lot. And they don't talk about them very, uh, what's the favorably? word? I'm looking? Favorably. Right. They talk about how, you know, I don't know. It's just not great. Well, that, that's also a, a matter of period, though. So, is it? No, it's not really. Well, it's a matter it, of psychology. It, it's both, because our nation was founded on the backbones of slaves. So it's, I, the, it's one of the most racist places in our country still. Which is right. already pretty We're racist. Pretty racist. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, he thinks it's normal. So it, 
No, I. It's not as horrible <laughs> as it could be, but it still is. Well, I mean, but that's kind of why I put so much emphasis on he did make some progress, right? Yeah. At the time mm-hmm. that he wrote this book, I don't know where he was on the segregation versus integration. I know before the book, before he wrote the book, he was a segregationist. Later in the 50s, he was, he was in favor of integration. Something had changed in the interim, and this book kind of lies in the middle. Between, in between. Um, But in the book, they, they talk about them, they talk about... African Americans in very stereotypical ways and describe them in very stereotypical, you know, they're just poor people. There's a scene in the book where I think it might be the judge, although I could have the wrong character, but they're driving, it's either the judge or Willie Stark or somebody. They're talking about the fact that, oh no, that's wrong. This was in, (laughs) (laughs) this was not in the book. It was in his essay in Life Magazine. One of the people he interviews talks about driving around, they're driving around a plantation or a farm or whatever. And it was like his father had gone to the trouble of putting screens into these, into the houses where his African-American workers lived. And he was complaining because they had poked holes in the screens so that they could pour something out the window. Um, I don't know what, you know, I'm not, it, it was a, it was him interviewing someone with a very bad attitude towards all African Americans. No pushback. Uh, right. I'm guessing where you're going to right. Well, and that that wasn't his purpose because he talked to people. Like I said, he talked to people on yeah. both sides, but he let them have their say, and their say was not great. Sure. Did he think there were fine people on both sides? I, yeah, <laughs> I actually don't think he. Fair and balanced when you get down. To... See. Well, <laughs> so my, the, the question behind the question was, do you think it's a well-written book? Does it, does it actually is it coherent? the reputation that <laughs> you, it has? I think if you give it the Pulitzer Prize. Um, I can see why it got the Pulitzer Prize in 1947. But if it were released today as a brand new book, it sounds like the answer would be no. No. Okay. I don't believe so. Um, it's very beautifully written. He's a very good writer. And it's a good story. Um but it is, and it's very, I mean, if you were, it would be excellent to take a class on the book and so that you could get all the context about the people, the, the place that it's being written about and the time that it's being written mm-hmm. in yeah. and why the, why he describes things the way that he does and what his uh, culture is. Because without that, you shouldn't read it now. Yeah. It's kind of like watching Birth of a Nation. You should not watch Birth of a Nation mm-hmm. without a huge amount of context about mm-hmm. the images that you're seeing. Don't do it. That's my recommendation. <laughs> right. and, a, and a glass but of booze in the cast. other hand. <laughs> yeah, no. I tried, not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Did we talk about the cocktail? Well, do we do plugs first? I don't know. You we, tell me. We typically do. All right. <laughs> you want people to listen to the end. Okay. <laughs> Steve, do you want to plug anything as our guest? Get the, the floor is yours. It could no. be a TV show. Well, yeah, what are you, what are you up to? What's I'm going? watching Star Trek from the very beginning. I'm Original at, series? At the very beginning at Enterprise. Oh, you're watching it oh, in, in all the series. Story chronologically. In... Yes. Not so you're going to go Star Trek. So first it's Enterprise. Enterprise, Enterprise Star uh, Trek Discovery? Unfortunately, that's between it and the original series. So Just go oh, back dis- and forth an episode at a time? <laughs> Yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, so I haven't finished Enterprise yet, so mm. I, I have yet to figure out the whole Discovery conundrum. Okay. I'll probably watch season one 
and then move on to that. I really think for the full effect, you need to go to each episode and figure out what star date it is. Oh, and yeah, put them in order. Date. And then <laughs> and watch, watch the movies them. in between, too. Well, Otherwise, what's even the point, Steve? <laughs> I mean, there's the internet. It, it'll tell us everything. Exactly. You can find out the order. And I know a half dozen people I can message on Facebook. There you go. <laughs> Angrily. Yes. So. If this was a Star Trek podcast, podcast. <laughs> I would have a lot to say about what you're watching right now. Well, plugs-wise, uh, I like it interview. Surprise? How's that going for you? I like it. Okay. I like that's the I Scott like, Bakula one, right? Yeah, I like Scott Bakula. I'm pro Scott Bakula. I like mm-hmm. Doctor Flox a lot, but the best character clearly is Porthos the Beagle. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Enterprise as well. I like Trip. Yeah, I just always fast forward through the oh, theme like song because that was just horrible. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Bad theme song. <laughs> that was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the cut where it's uh, that Queen um, "Don't Stop Me Now" that's <laughs> with the intro? It's awesome. Uh, you should look that up on I, YouTube. It's I will. It's perfect. All right. That's all I got. Okay. Hey Nicole, got anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, there is a new. Well, as of our time period, <laughs> there's a new series on TNT called The Alienist. What's the start date? Uh, <laughs> 19 yeah point something or other um and it's great it's um based on a i think it's a series of books um mm-hmm. that take place in 1896 and um fdr is a commissioner in the police force and um there are there's a serial murder out there and um the, an alienist is basically what we can could consider a psychologist these days. So it's sort of like a Sherlock Holmes type story, but with a psychologist instead of whatever yeah. <laughs> you consider Sherlock Holmes a smart doctor um, of you know medicine. And anyway, it's just really good. Dakota Fanning's in it. Luke Evans is in it. I forget who Daniel plays. Rule. Is that who it plays the fantastic. main character? Yeah. It's it's really well done. I think there's only been two episodes that have come out mm, so far. They've but been advertising it for a year. I've yeah, been waiting for it for a while. Episodes. And it is the first episode feels like a movie. It is yeah. very well done. Um, and at the end of the second episode, I just sort of they like put it on a cliffhanger and you're sort of like, Whoa, I did not expect it to get that dark that fast. But it's it's a limited series, so it's gonna be self contained. You know, it goes through the whole book, um, or the first book at least, and yeah, it's pretty good and i recommend it highly oh you should watch the gifted i uh, do not enjoy the gifted <laughs> no, that, that sentence took a turn oh. yeah i remember that i started and i was very excited about it to come out and then very disappointed with how slow and it's got vampire uh, bill in it uh, is the gifted isn't that a marvel yeah yes what about you were um, watching that i, I have not seen it yeah. what? i watched a few episodes of that i prefer runaways yeah, I got, I think, way too far into The Gifted. I kept giving it more and more episodes, and I think I finally stopped last week wow. and went, no more. They canceled The Inhumans, whatever that was. Yes, yeah. that, that, was very, no that was very bad. Yeah. Didn't watch that. I, yeah. I knew better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're doing TV plugs, we just finished watching, I think it's got seven or eight episodes, a show called Happy. Oh, sure, how do you okay. like that? I haven't watched it was, that yet. It was good. Um, yeah. I've not seen something like it. It is based on a comic book, mm-hmm. just like everything else. I don't think there's a lot like it. It's on the Sci-Fi Network. Um, it has what's his name? Maloney is the main character. Christopher, Christopher Maloney. Maloney. Christopher Maloney, also known as Detective Stabler from Law and Order SVU. Uh, initially, my one complaint was he's playing Backstrom, but not as good. <laughs> um, I really liked Backstrom, so mm-hmm. I was. Um, <laughs> but and he's playing essentially that same character, except a lot more violent. 
He's basically a hitman, so he goes around killing people a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence the name Happy. He's not named Happy. The the little magical. <laughs> Happy is a blue flying you know? uh, donkey unicorn. unicorn. Yes. Unicorn? And yeah. he is the... Um, animated. <laughs> yes, he's animated, voiced by... Um, Patton Oswalt. Yes, Patton Oswalt. <laughs> and he Perfect. is the imaginary friend of a girl who gets kidnapped, and then the unicorn goes and finds the Maloney character to save her. And I'm not going to say any more details than that, um, but it's just crazy because... Pretty psychedelic from what I've seen. Yeah, it's kind compelling. of like realistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dark it's, comedy, right? Yeah, it's very dark. Uh, the bad guys are just awful. And it's all Christmas themed. <laughs> Shane wait. Black directed? Or... I'm, I'm sorry, that's, so. sorry, that's a Christmas <laughs> joke. Because no, all of Shane Black's <laughs> movies take place during Christmas. Christmas so all the songs are Christmas songs. <laughs> that, that's the soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> hmm. What about you, Jacob? Good. Uh, always got my other podcast, Third Act Saviors. Um, as of whatever day this is, February whatever. Third. Most recent episode we released was Bright. It's very a controversial episode. Yes, as we discussed <laughs> about. I personally did not care for Bright, nor did anyone I watch it with. But I some enjoyed people it. People at this table liked Bright or thought it was neutral. <laughs> yes, I was neutral. Too. I have not seen it. So <laughs> there were scenes to which I was not. I was not neutral to the fairy key. Killing scene, scene at the beginning. Oh my god, spoiler death. <laughs> it's the very first thing that happens in the movie, and it's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. You should that feel looks, bad. That looks like a little human being with wings, and you're killing it. With and then a he says, fairy lives don't matter. Yeah, and that's bad too. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of weird racial stuff in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was a funny episode of our podcast. Also, The Boss Baby was the one before that. We had John <laughs> Octron, which was great. Um... I don't know if I have any good TV plugs for you guys. Karen, I've been watching Mad Men, but that's an old show. I said I, well, I saw Hostile, Hostiles, Hostiles in the movie theater. I thought it was great. It's very dark western about uh, sort of the U.S. versus the uh, indigenous people in the nineteen no eighteen somethings uh, with Christian Bale. It's really good. Uh, there are certainly some flaws. Probably the biggest flaw being that it is another movie from the perspective of a white racist guy who learns not to be racist, of which there are many in this world. But it was an excellent movie. I really liked it. There's a lot of uh, Native American actors speaking um, Apache with Christian Bale, which I thought was kind of just a nice touch, a cool touch. It hasn't come out yet, but it will by the time you're listening to this. So I'm going to preemptively tell you that Black Panther was amazing. And oh, if you yeah. haven't seen it, go so <laughs> rent excited. it and buy it. So yeah. I'm, I'm standing behind that prediction. That probably before this next episode's recorded, is my guess. Yep. I, I was really sad that initially Black Panther was going to release on my birthday. So I was going to Oh, that'd be fun. See, but I was okay with the fact that they moved it to February for Black History Month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still... Or, or as Ivanka Trump says, all people's history month. Yeah. We all have history. Hey, who doesn't have history? She literally history? all lives matter. <laughs> Black oh. history month. Way to go. Yeah. Way to go, Ivanka. Yeah. Yes. Don't read Twitter. That's my, that's my blog. <laughs> Nothing good in there. No. Um, I'm going to go see, with my co-host on Third Act Saviors, uh, Daniel, we're going to go see the live Chapo Trap House when they're here March 30th at the Bear Project, which I think will be fun. It's a podcast I like that's also politics related that's what i got those are my plugs all right we're gonna talk about a cocktail so Mm. this cocktail is this is probably i did the least work on this of any cocktail i've created so far 
<laughs> it is just a combination of two cocktails for reasons. Um, so, here's the Go first on. reason. Louis, or I'm sorry, Huey P. Long's favorite drink was the... I like Louis. <laughs> Louis P. Long. No. Uh, Louis Huey, P. Anderson. Huey P. Long. That... <laughs> Some guy. Some guy, yeah. Huey P. Long's favorite drink was the Ramos Finn... Uh, gin fizz. What mm-hmm. happened? Did I just drink too Huey much? Huey D. Louis. <laughs> fizz. Um, the Ramos Gin Fizz. And there, you can go up on YouTube and there's at least a couple different videos of him with his favorite bartender having mm. his favorite bartender make this drink. And he, you know, he's joking around and saying, well, I'm a teetotaler, but I better taste it to see if it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the difference between this drink and uh, the Ramos Gin Fizz, which I think they made at the Sazerac in Louisiana. It was a drink from Louisiana. In fact, he had his bartender go to Washington, D.C. and teach another bartender how to make it so that he could have it right. But the difference between this drink, which has a lot of ingredients in it to begin with, um, in fact, I'll just tell you what the ingredients are. It has egg whites, it has cream, it has orange blossom water, it has vanilla, it has lime juice, it has lemon juice, it has gin. uh, No gin in this. Not in this, but in the Ramos Gin Fizz, there's gin and uh, soda water. Mm. So the other aspect of this drink is it's got the ingredients of a moscow mule in it and the reason that it does is trivia question who was the first person ever to drink a moscow mule me it was nicole <laughs> no that's wrong oh steve move to no idea move to steal was it was it somebody in moscow no it was broderick crawford oh <laughs> of course that was my second guess the star of the uh, all the king's men from 1949 um and basically it's a garbage drink and so the other thing, so they had leftover, one of the bartender was like making ginger beer and had a bunch of ginger beer and the bar that he worked at, oh, I wish I could remember what it was. It wasn't the Brown Derby. It was a different one. The Black Top Hat. Yeah, it was whatever. Um, hat. They had been purchased by the guy who owns Smirnoff Vodka or something. And at the time, vodka wasn't popular at John all. Smirnoff. But they had these two ingredients. And so the bartender invented this drink and said... And Broderick Crawford was the first person ever to taste it. So he basically took his garbage stuff, threw it together, yeah. and said, here, have a drink. And I don't know why it served in a copper. We've all done that college, right? It's supposed to enhance the flavor because of the lime juice in it, but that's, I, what, that's what the internet tells me anyway. Yes, and I've also heard that there was like a copper surplus at the time, and this, they oh, needed so to find more a, garbage. Well, it was, they needed to find a way to sell this drink, and he was like, how about a drink in a special cup? And then that was popular. The other thing about this drink that we're drinking is I got, these are the fanciest Moscow oh Mule cups you could ever have. With a little copper straw. They're supposed to have a straw. Um, no, I mean, these are, it's made of copper. These are fancy. copper and they're hammered and they have a very fancy pattern on them, which I thought was funny because it's kind of like, you know, a Willie Stark or a Huey P. Long. It's kind of a, not the greatest person, but dressed up in a lot of fancy lipstick yeah. stuff. on a pig, yes. <laughs> Something along those Oh, yeah, lines. back. That was a politics thing, wasn't it? <laughs> and the other thing I made was uh, lime. Some of them are lime ginger, although you can't really taste the ginger. Some of them are just lime, and they're gummy fish. And the reason that I made those as the accompaniment to this drink yeah. is because uh, Willie Stark, well, not Willie Stark, Huey P. Long's nickname was Kingfish after a character in the radio show Amos and Andy. Hmm. A character named Kingfish? Kingfish was the pro, the antagonist. 
And he loved his nickname. <laughs> Did we right. talk about why this one's vodka? Uh, because that's what's in a Moscow Mule. Oh, okay, so just combining the two. And yeah. pretty much so everybody I, hates gin. So yeah. I replaced the soda. <laughs> High five, Steve. <laughs> I replaced the soda water with ginger beer, and I replaced the gin with vodka. And it, I think it tastes great. It, yeah, it I think it's excellent. Fantastic. All right, I'm Top three. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are we doing next time? So next time it's going to be a similar, but uh, similar theme to this one. Uh, the older Wait. movie. I had a thought. What? <gasps> Listeners, give us five stars. Like, follow, and subscribe. <laughs> Let's just do that. We're going to do that one time. That's true. And you should go to the WordPress because there's pictures and, yeah. and uh, blogs about the drinks and stuff. Take five minutes. Tell somebody else to subscribe to this podcast. Yes. Tweet about it or whatever you got to do. Uh, oh, anyway, so the movies for next mm-hmm. time. We're going to be watching A Face in the Crowd from 1957. Wait a minute. Let me check that. Is that right? Uh, yes. These movies are from the 50s, so we got two episodes coming up from the 50s. Okay. A Face in the Crowd, starring Andy Griffith, which was basically, I, I believe, the movie that made him famous. Okay. Do you know who Andy Griffith is? <gasps> I do. I know who Andy Griffith is. Matlock? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Andy Griffith show. And the Andy Griffith show. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm... With Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then the other movie we're going to watch with it is The Ides of March. The Ides of March. Yeah, with George Clooney. And Ryan Gosling. Yay! Mm-hmm. Is that movie supposed to be good? Probably not. I've seen that one. Yeah. I can't remember if I liked it. So n- Probably not now a I'll lot. Know. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You didn't love it, or you didn't hate it. Or did I? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention, too, while we were watching the movie, that um, you may or may not have noticed that the intro to every show is different. Mm-hmm. Did you notice? I noticed. Yes. I mean, and so... Do you fast did, forward the been, intro, Jacob? No, I'm like, <laughs> I may have noticed and been like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so, in most cases, the last quote that you hear is mm-hmm. from the movie that we're watching mm-hmm. or from one of the movies that we're watching. Okay. For this episode, it's actually Huey P. Long describing the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> awesome. Uh, is it... <laughs> well, I haven't heard it yet. I'm, I'm so excited for potential false equivalencies. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that going around. <laughs> cool. Thanks for coming, Steve. Yeah, yeah sure. thanks for being a guest again. Of yeah. course. Hope you enjoyed your whatever that drink is that I still. <laughs> it was delicious. You, Steve, oh yeah, come if, up with a name I was right going to say, or listeners, uh, if we haven't come up with a name for it, light and fluffy. Light and fluffy. <laughs> I would like some listener engagement, you guys. Oh right, not the light and fluffy. <laughs> no, listeners, oh, no. name it for us. First, make the drink, and then tell us what to call it. Also, you have to shake this drink for at least two minutes, and that's on the low end of how long you're actually supposed to shake it for, which is three to five minutes. I shook it for two minutes, and I can confirm that it needed more shaking. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it, but you need to make this egg into a scrambled egg. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be frothy and yeah, incorporated. it's supposed mm-hmm. to be frothy and fizzy. Mine was great. You made mine, and I thought it was incorporated. Oh, well, thank you. So you may not have had enough ice in your in the Boston shaker. I did the best. I mean, this was a delicious drink. It really was. Yeah. Okay. Good job. I think we're done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Every man a king, every girl a queen, for you can be a millionaire. But there's something belonging to others. There's enough for all people to share. Sunny June and December too, or in the winter time or spring, there'll be peace with.
with our in every neighbor a friend with every man a king thank you thank you thank you got a good back